Welcome to No Instructions. I'm Bob. No, I'm Josh. I'm Anthony. I'm Forby. We are having a four-person podcast at a distance. Kind of weird, but kind of cool that we can. Mm-hmm. Glad Welcome. that we built a really big table specifically for this purpose <laughs> and yes. have used it one time. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, unfortunate, the uh, the timing of that whole thing. But it's out there. It's waiting. This won't last forever. We'll be back to doing these at the table at some point. And once all this clears up, we got to get 4B up here to visit again. Yeah, that'll be nice. Yeah. yeah. It has been cool to to do more online calls and stuff like that and just figure it out. I mean, I guess we're all sort of in our own little pods now, but that kind of makes it like I'm kind of uh, in the same office with you guys more often, a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have your own annex. Yeah. Just over there. <laughs> It's just like we keep him in a closet. We all work in one room normally, and he's always in another room. <laughs> yeah. Like Ryan from The Office. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll like keep that up. That'll be an interesting thing. That has been really cool that we have like kind of a, an ongoing meeting throughout the days now with mm-hmm. all four of us, and I'm sure that's something we'll probably keep up after all this is over. But yeah, so uh, what's what's going on? Anybody out doing fun stuff? Going anywhere? <laughs> nope. That was, there was sarcasm all wrapped up Kitchen, in Kitchen, living room, <laughs> bathroom. We went on a mini road trip yesterday. Ooh. We got in the van, filled up the gas tank here so we didn't have to get out anywhere. Well, which I guess didn't really matter at that point. <laughs> I used a napkin. Gotta... It's funny. Like there's, uh, there's the paper towels over by the window washing thing, which I never cared about. I'm like, well, just grab one of those little guys. We filled up our van. Oh, man. For $11.50. What? Wow. Yeah. We had a 30 cent off Kroger um, coupon. I took a picture of it. It was great. We filled up for like, it was 92 or 94 cents a gallon. Awesome. Wow. That's crazy. It was, it's like back in the late 90s when I learned how to drive and, $20 $20 could get you anywhere in the wide world. <laughs> I had to fill up yesterday. I went out and um, I, I keep like a thing of Lysol wipes like in the car now. So just everywhere I go, I always like pull one out and throw it in my pocket. And then anytime I have to touch anything, I wipe it down first or whatever. And I realized that it's like the perfect size to just wrap your hand in it. And I did all of the gas-related stuff yep. holding a, a Lysol wipe. And then I got done and just dropped it in the trash and got back on the car. It was yep. pretty cool, you know? Nice. It's the same thing with that paper towel. Grab the paper towel, use it to push the buttons, grab the thing. Yep, same thing. Hmm. Yeah, the weird thing for me is I feel like I haven't gone to the gas station in like two and a half weeks. Yeah. Except yeah. for once to get a slushy, but... <laughs> A different kind of feel. Because I, I can walk there from my house. But yeah, it's weird. I'm used to going like two, sometimes three times a week because I have a relatively long commute. And That's right. Like old news. So this is my, what this is what electric car owners feel like, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Except that they have to they have to stop every like hour and a half to like wait <laughs> two hours to charge up their cars. But other mm-hmm. than that, yeah. And their pinkies in the air probably get really tired. <laughs> <laughs> But we lived in uh, Europe. A lot of the gas stations would have uh, like disposable gloves, like those really big, oversized Mickey Mouse looking gloves that like lunch ladies wear. 
Mm-hmm. They would have them in a little box, and I would see people do that. And I remember thinking, like, these super posh European don't even want to touch, like, the gas pump because you might get a little bit of stuff on your hands. And then this whole thing, I'm like, man, we need some, like, gloves maybe out here. And I'm like, oh, maybe yeah. Yeah, that's why smarter people than <laughs> me do that everywhere else in the world. <laughs> A friend of mine in college that was from New Jersey, when she came down to Georgia for school, she had a pair of gloves that she would keep in her car for whenever she would uh, fill up gas. And I mean, I, I had just never seen anyone have gloves in their car for that purpose. And I thought it was super weird, but I immediately just thought of that with all of this going on right now and just realizing like how much stuff can be on um, just whatever you touch, but especially at gas stations. And yeah, I think she was... She probably had a good thing going. Yeah, she's probably yeah. pretty smart. Isn't New Jersey one of those states where you can't pump your own gas? I think it was yes. Oregon and New Jersey. So for her, she she, I think part of it for her, and we were all in college, so we hadn't been driving a whole uh, like for a long time previously anyway. But she just thought that gas stations were just so dirty, or like they weren't allowed, but partially because it either wasn't safe or it was like super dirty. So mm-hmm. she kind of had a, a little fear of, I, I think. Of, of pumping her own gas a little bit hmm. and um I, we, we thought it was pretty funny but yeah it is funny. Yeah, I, I, I went to oregon the first time and the guy like met me out there I'm like what he's like oh, i'm here to pump your gas i'm like no i'm good you're you can go away he's like no i have to they yes legally yeah yeah wow that's so strange it is i went to um after pumping gas yesterday i went to the grocery store and I think we've talked about it the last few weeks or whatever, but, you know, every time I've gone to the store, the ratio of people in masks to not masks and the people wearing gloves to not gloves is just shifted. At first mm-hmm. it was like, occasionally you'd see a mask. Now, if I'd see somebody without a mask, I'm like, ooh, they're a rebel. <laughs> you know, they're, they must be too cool or something. Um, but I was walking around yesterday, and I'm so used to going to the store. I, I typically will run into somebody I know. And I, you know, at least say hi. But even if I don't see somebody I know, I smile at people when I'm passing them in the store. Everybody's there for the same reason, you know, just people smile at each other. And I'm walking around with a mask on and I look at somebody who also has a mask on and I smiled at them. And then I walked on and it dawned on me like they couldn't see me smile. And I have no idea if they were smiling at me. Like what a weird like social, it's a social distancing thing, but not from the perspective of just like physical distance. Like, I have no idea what that person is doing with their face. If they had sunglasses on, I would have no idea what they were doing with their face at all. You know, it's just a weird impediment. Everybody's just not only trying to stay away from each other, but you're also hiding your expressions. You know, not on purpose, but Hmm. it's just, I don't know, strange. I'd have very expressive eyebrows. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We just do like clear masks. You know, so that you could still see your mouth underneath them, I guess, or something. Somebody designed one of those for uh, deaf patients who Ripley or who lip read, good grief, uh, and for like doctors who don't know sign language. And it has just like a little clear piece right in the middle. It looked really crazy, but I guess it had a purpose, and so you wouldn't use it for every patient. You use it specifically for deaf patients. That was kind of a cool way to adapt what everybody's already doing, yeah. trying to help out making masks. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if it would be, because I've seen a lot of people with masks, you know, like just the little uh, disposable ones or like sewn ones or whatever, but I haven't seen anybody at the store with like a big face shield, like the big clear, you know, thing. But that'd be kind of cool to be like the one person in your store walking around with like full 
everybody can see my face and I can smile and I can run into stuff and it won't hit me in the eye because I have a giant face shield on. <laughs> if I could see better out of my war machine helmet, <laughs> I would yeah. wear this everywhere. I was thinking about making some new eyepieces because these have like little dots to make them like uh, yeah, diffuse the light. But yeah, I would wear my war machine helmet everywhere if I could see better. Hmm. I hadn't even thought about that. I could wear my short trooper helmet. I can see out of it pretty well. Everything's just Dude, we, dark because it has like a tin. We can button. hang out. Like we can be the two people that can hang out. We just have to keep <laughs> our helmets on and not see very well. <laughs> we just yeah. like go to the store. <laughs> yeah. Your periphery is like really, so you have to turn your head really wide wherever you're going. Constantly bump down. into people, but like, it's okay. I'm protected. <laughs> we think that we're actually talking, but we're really accidentally sitting like 50 feet away from each other. <laughs> Because we there, can't see that's our our next between the builds video. Bob <laughs> okay. and Josh go, go shopping <laughs> at a distance. Yeah. Uh, I thought our next between the builds video would just be like a compilation of screen captures of all of our work meetings. It could be. I was actually thinking about that yesterday. How like we can't make those right now. But then I was like, I guess I could make one by myself. I don't know what it would be, but yeah. like I could just go do a thing that's between the builds I guess I don't know if it would be as interesting but I was watching we were talking about it earlier today offline but I was watching Peter McKinnon videos the other night and just like he's so good at making mundane things seem interesting and appealing he just makes good video no matter what the thing is the subject is I was like oh maybe that could give me some idea for some thing I could go film that wasn't the thing itself wasn't interesting, but like maybe there's an interesting video around something for that mm. specific case, but I don't know. Hmm. You go out to the farm. I think people are still kind of intrigued with that kind of secret space. I know you've made the camping site and you've done that on Instagram. I wonder if there's enough meat in there to try to make. I like how yeah. we went from, we, we shifted from podcast to morning meeting we should talk about well, what back, we did in our morning meeting today back to podcast oh yeah yeah go ahead anthony tell us tell everybody about what we did in our meeting this morning. speaking of shifting in our morning meetings we went from talking about work stuff to oh look we're all in a minecraft server together <laughs> for at least yeah. 20 20 or 30 minutes so we just thought about you know having our whole podcast happen inside of the minecraft server yeah, Maybe someday. And teaching Bob what Minecraft is and how to. <laughs> so watching him walk around and how yeah. do how do I how do I uh, how do I mine a tree? What do I do with the tree? Like, do I like punch a this tree a bunch? Yeah. <laughs> just punch that tree, man. Keep going, and then he just, he just walks into the woods. <laughs> I'm like, well, there's probably See, trees Bob? over there. I can go yeah. beat up those trees. Yeah, there's lots of stuff. There's some now. rocks I can beat, beat up. up with the tree that I just beat up. That's how it works. It's funny because I, I played Minecraft briefly when, not when it first came out, but, you know, closer to when it came out. Um, I got it on, like, the PS4, I guess, because my oldest son was interested in playing it at the time, and he was too young to play it. But I was like, oh, I'll just go ahead and get it and start kind of learning it. And I went through all of the tutorial-level type stuff to get it, and I was like, oh, cool. Now, whenever he's ready, I can play it. And then multiple years went by, and I never touched it. And so now my... I guess all three of my boys are into playing it um, and they're creating crazy stuff and they have this whole world that they've built together and everything and they don't need me to teach them how to do it so I don't ever sit down to play it. So I go into this world that you guys have been playing in and there's these like giant castles and cool houses with all sorts of materials and stuff and 
animals. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I forgot. Hmm. And I don't want to go through the tutorial levels again because <laughs> I'm impatient. But yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, that's exactly how, how I came about Wes and uh, Nicole and Tori, who we'll talk about in a little bit. And George from technically woodworking, they were in there and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And you just like dig up some dirt. And now it's like you evolve as a human being. I'm like, I'm going to make a dirt hut. And then you get some wood and I'm like, now I'm going to add a wooden door to my dirt hut. And then eventually you, you have to mine things as a name suggests. Cause I was, I'll go, I'm like, how do you guys have all this crazy stuff? They're like, you go mine for it and you find it. It's not just like you, you go to a store and you, you pay the person like in Zelda, like you have to make all the stuff that you want. And it's just, there's endless possibilities. It's mm-hmm. pretty crazy. Which makes the giant buildings and towers that people have built even more impressive because not only did they spend hours building that tower, they spent hours mining for all that material. Yeah. In creative mode any, or uh, survival mode anyway. Yeah, survival. Yeah, my son used to play with my nephew and they would play in creative mode where you, you could just build whatever you wanted to. There were no bad guys. You didn't have to sleep or eat. And, and now, like, that's what I thought I was getting into. I'm like, all right, where's my treasure trove of infinite resources? Yeah. I'm like, oh, fart, I don't have any. And then, like, some <laughs> skeleton guy would show up and hit me with an arrow while I'm building my dirt hut. And I'd start yelling and running away. And then a little green phallic guy would explode. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening in this game. So when I quit today, I just left myself out in the woods. Am I going to get yeah. eaten by something? Or No, but you'll something? show back up there when you when you open it up again. So if it's nighttime and you just pop into the woods, you might need to go find a house. Hmm. Or build one. Okay. Or build one out of dirt. <laughs> I mean, you could. <laughs> I guess so. Hmm. You just dig yourself into a hole and then close put the a door, door on it. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what my boys do is they'll like make a hole underground and then like go down and then dig another little cavern and then they fill up the first one with lava and then go hide in the second one. So if somebody comes to get them, they fall into the lava pit and they just burn up. And then like, that's a smart I move. guess when they're, when they go to wake up, they just dig themselves straight out or something. I don't know, but I found a, or I made a boat. Uh, Donovan from once upon a workbench is also in there. And he like, we're mining for things. They're trying to find diamonds and all this. And it's like, it takes a lot of work and they're just randomly placed and they're only on certain levels of the game. So it's a crapshoot whether you find anything. And he talked about a treasure chest out by like the mermaids. There's mermaids that like shoot tridents at you and stuff. And so Wes from Geeksmithing and I went out and went on this little voyage and I found a sunken ship and found two treasure chests in the sunken ship. And it's filled with like gold and diamonds and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, it would have taken days to try to happen upon certain things. And I was like, I just found this amazing treasure trove. I'm like, let's do this. So I have a little uh, like beachside outpost that I can go out there and like have a base of operation. I made a gigantic tower that's like 80 blocks high and has water coming off. So I always know that I can look for that giant tower and for a reference point. Huh. It's, it's little silly things like that. And like, there's, I didn't know that there were other people. There's like innate villagers and mm-hmm. there were pillagers that I learned accidentally. My middle son and I were out like playing around in the desert and this band of like 10 dudes start shooting us with crossbows and my, my poor son is freaking out, like scared. And then we die out in the middle of nowhere. And so then like, <laughs> if you have stuff on you, when you die, it just like lays on the ground. And so I showed back up to our original place with nothing. And then I get mad because I died at the hand of another person. So like I get, 
Wes and George, I'm like, we got to go avenge these. Like, I, I want to seek some revenge. So we find the house or the big uh, stronghold outpost thing they have. Straight up kill everybody. And I get all my stuff back. And I'm like, I want to light that building on fire to teach him a lesson. So Wes <laughs> happens to have like a bucket of lava in his inventory. Climbs up to the tippy top of this gigantic tower thing. Pours the lava on the top and it just like lava overflows. And it just creates this massive – and it just stays there forever now. So if you go wandering off, you could come up to like this 20-story fully engulfed lava blob that was these other people's outposts. And they killed me one time, so we smited them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a monument to that epic war. Man, that's that sounds like something that your uh, Dungeons & Dragons character would also do. Oh, Oh, we got to talk about that. So yeah. we've talked about Bob and I have talked about Dungeons and Dragons wanting to play. People have given us a lot of great feedback on where to start and how to do it. We came up with some characters, rudimentary characters. Anthony and I did on our way down to WorkbenchCon. Uh, we have been working behind the scenes with Win Geekscraft, uh, Tori and Nicole. They've been helping us refine our characters and get ready. And Nicole created our own campaign for us that we played the other. What day is now? I don't know. The other Thursday. day. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> we played it the other day. Um, how was it, gentlemen? How was our how was our quest? Forby, what did you think about it? I thought it was fantastic. I had a great time. I <clears throat> excuse me. I haven't ever played. I, I've played something similar. It, it wasn't full Dungeons and Dragons. It was it was uh, something that kind of helps you along and gives. It, it's kind of more on rails. So this is my first like little one shot campaign, and you make your character and stuff and. I had an absolutely great time. It, it, yeah, it was a blast. Anthony, what about you? Yeah, I, I feel like I was incredibly overwhelmed with everything, you know, involved in building your character for the first time. So I just kind of did my best to understand. If I were to do it again, I definitely have a better understanding of what all these numbers and things mean as you build your character because I understand the mechanics of the game now. But when we first started the game and we were kind of introducing ourselves around our table full of food and money, I felt unprepared. But once we got into the game, I started to get more comfortable and I felt like my character was instantly like starting to blossom and grow and, and personality traits were starting to come to me and things like that. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. It, despite, I feel like I had a rough start. I had a, fantastic time and had some pretty good moments um i i i I think i had some of the best moments not to toot my own horn but according to nicole (laughs) i mean i didn't start the fiery poop tornado but uh i have some that That was probably the highlight of the game yeah uh my wife was sitting in the corner she was sewing up some masks while we were playing the game so she could only hear me and she was like (laughs) Mm. what sentences are you saying right now (laughs) And so I started writing down some stuff that we were talking about, and we can get to those. Um, I was really surprised. And like you said, we started out around a table. Um, Nicole had like a digital game board. She had us all kind of introduce ourselves. And that was the moment I'm like, oh, like, it's time to get into my character in the story. Like, I'm no longer Josh. I have to be Droxwick, like my character. And I'm like, this is kind of cool. And it's a very... Um, a very noticeable like shift 
and we had a lot of questions. So like there would be times where we would like break character just to ask like technical stuff. But like I was talking in that game, like I was my character. And once you kind of fully buy into it, I'm like, this is really fun. And that's when the storiness and the gameplay melted together. We're like, I personally wouldn't maybe act this way, but like the guy that I have in my head, my character in my head would Mm -hmm. probably do this. So let's do it. Yeah. That was an interesting transition for me too, because I went into this thinking that we were playing a game, but I came out of it thinking we were creating a story. And I think that's actually a better way to think about it because as Nicole said, it's collaborative storytelling. It's not so much just a, a board game. And when you think of it that way, um, it, it's fun because you can be as creative as you want, but you have those moments when you got to roll your dice that force you to make different decisions. And that's where the fun really begins to happen. Now, Bob, you were a passive observer. How did you feel? Because you were you were trying to be like a you were a, de- a dungeon master in training. You're shadowing. How did you get a feel <laughs> for the whole thing? Well, so, I mean, I tried to create a character beforehand one night you know they spent time with all of us and i was late to that party so i was late in getting started on the character and i was just thoroughly confused as to everything like all of the terminology and i think everybody was to a point but coming Mm -hmm. in late to it it felt like everybody else had this like oh well they must have already gone over what this thing is or where to get these papers or Mm -hmm. what fields they're actually talking about i was completely totally lost and so rather than trying to do that, I was just like, well, I'll set the character aside and I'll just try to learn how to be a DM. And then watching your game and watching her, I know she's played a lot and she is really good at it, but watching her kind of move through the management and the storytelling and just like adjusting to your actions on the fly, I'm like, I don't, I don't think I can do this. I'd like to. <laughs> I mean, it seems like it'd be fun. I don't think I'm capable of that. Like I... I guess it the DM role is probably not what I was... I think it is what I was expecting, but seeing somebody really do it and do a good job of it and everybody have fun, I was just like, I, I'm not... I don't think I can, you know? Like, I don't have the... I guess every DM has to start somewhere and they don't yeah. necessarily know all of the... all of the options and all of the things that everybody... You know, she was reacting a lot to your actions with knowledge about how the whole thing works. And so without that knowledge, it feels like your reactions would be a little thin. And Or it would slow it down. Like you you can reference yeah. the, the book. And I think it would I, – I think where her husband, who was a, a DM, he was in the background kind of muddling stuff to her. He was more experienced at running the game than she was, even though she did a fantastic job. The reference book allowed her to look up certain things like – which mm-hmm. die you would use, how it reacted to certain stuff. So it would like, there would be little moments where she would pause and have to look stuff up. But I think that just comes with just institutional knowledge of, of mm-hmm. the game and the individual spells. Yeah. And there's so much involved in that storytelling. So to have all that stuff memorized is uncanny. Yeah, And I never felt either when she was like flipping through the book that it was slowing us down. Or I never got that, that vibe at all. Mm-hmm. It just felt like it was a part of the gameplay. Um, yeah, it, it, well, she is the storyteller. Like when we would react, like her, her reaction as the kind of narrator, yeah, also was really fun. And so, while she may have been looking stuff up, she would react to how we were telling our part of the story. And it was just, it was a really like to talk about collaborative. Like even those moments where something had to be looked up because you know she may not have memorized the entire 
book, it was it was really fun. Mm. She would laugh along where we wanted to laugh. She would take her her reactions to our moves or our decisions, like would affect the game. So she had like a rough outline of how it was supposed to go together. The the she, there was a wizard that was turned into a sheep. We had to go get this wand from an evil wizard. Like it had a rough outline, mm. and then based on our decisions, she would alter the outline. And it was really impressive. Yeah, so for me, I think I probably need to... To be comfortable to do that portion of it, I think I probably need to be a player for a while first. I think I need to yeah. go through the process of, of figuring out the character... And then play along with it, understand the kind of process and get the kind of feel for it, which see, it seemed like watching you guys, it seems like that's what you were doing. And so I was just late to the party to be able to like be in on that. But it was still, I still learned a whole lot from it. And it was fun watching everybody come up and try to figure it out and try to come up with what to do and stuff. And some just really funny offbeat moments because (laughs) at the beginning, you guys were all like in one little pod reacting to this certain little situation. And then all of a sudden, everybody was like, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go over there. And I'm going to go over there. And then everybody just did weird, dumb, separate <laughs> things. <laughs> and then we were like, okay, we got to get out of town because we just ruined everything. Like, let's all go together down the path. And it was it was fun to watch. I feel like after that, though, like after we all kind of went our sep- – like we're in town and we're all kind of doing different things while we have our, uh, kind of in the story a little bit of free time. After that, though, like close to the, especially the final sort of battle that we did, I feel like that's when for me it started to really click mm-hmm. us kind of fighting together. Um, Anthony, your character did sort of area area of effect, and that helped my character to to do a lot of damage. Um, you two were fighting with range while um, I my character was, you know, kind of doing whatever he could. I mean, it, there, there was a little bit more of our our characters working towards the same goal rather than everybody just trying to do their own thing mm-hmm. and for me that's when the story and the collaborativeness really started to make sense in my in my mind without me having to think about all the statistics and stuff as much um yeah i i liked the the la- by the end of it i was feeling a lot more comfortable with it and it was really fun i i feel like we were almost like a a medieval fantastical Guardians of the Galaxy, the way we started, yeah, a little bit, like kind of disjointed <laughs> and and destroying the area we're in to the end, becoming a team and being su- somewhat successful in a way. Yeah. And well, then the ending, yeah, the ending well, well, was, I, it was. Well, before we get to, I okay. think the, I, I like how this is. I could I can see how this is very repeatable and how people want to have like habitual nights because like if we were to play Risk, if you get that person who camps out on Madagascar, the next time they play, they're probably going to do the same thing. And so like, there is a way to kind of win. Mm. And so with this being a dice game, it's based on chance. And so when we started our, like our big push in our big epic kind of battle, the game board you have was all blacked out. And so you couldn't see what was happening. Mm-hmm. And so you could make a decision based on strategy and based on a bunch of stuff. And like, we kind of got into like a, a, a huddle and we're like, this is what we're going to do. And just like all things, like a great plan doesn't survive, you know, first contact. Like, Forby's character is a monk, so he doesn't have a lot of weapons. Like, he was going to go and, like, spy, and we were going to, like, use a shout thing to to do this very strategic move. 
And then Forby rolls like a crap hand. Yeah. And all yeah. of the bad guys like immediately find him. And it's like, well, and those bad guys alert these bad guys. And then a giant bear is standing right next to my character. And I'm like, well, that plan all went to crap. Sure. <laughs> it's fighting, <laughs> literally. Fighting. Yeah. My, my character is a, a, a human uh, fighter, but he's a, what am I called? An eldritch knight. So I have a little bit of magic. And so, like, she unblacked out a certain piece because when everybody was alerted to Forby's position, everybody started coming out of the woodwork. And I, like, lit this building on fire with, like, a firebomb thing. And <laughs> apparently it was an outhouse. <laughs> and so she said that the huge fireball that we lit created a tornado inside with this giant bear that was covered in poop amongst a poop tornado. <laughs> and, it, and, like, that stuff is, like... Bob, I don't know how long you stuck around. I, I, I wasn't like, around for that, no. Oh, oh man. man. There's a, a gigantic... I, got, I write these down. There's a gigantic poop tornado, uh, and then the bear multiplied in size. Oh, that's so right. So a large bear yeah. covered in feces. Forby <laughs> uh, accidentally with a bad roll alerted three apes that alerted everybody else. Uh, the evil wizard was inside, so once we all started fighting... The evil wizard came out on a dragon that he had made from a queen size bed that shot wood chips at people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. <laughs> In the beginning, <laughs> where we're trying to go like load up, like you would stop at the store in Zelda or something and like buy a sword or buy a whatever. Anthony uh, <laughs> robbed a blacksmith by trying to like be really uh, suave and have sleight of hand and he rolled a bad hand and then Very he like bad. attacked he attacked the the blacksmith with ball bearings and made him fall and hit his head so he stole a bunch of arrows I the documented turn, that whole story by the way that's good yeah and then my character paid the guy off because he felt bad <laughs> the term, it takes a lot to uh, make your character feel bad yeah the term shoot him in the cloaca was yelled more than one time <laughs> With the with the uh, the queen size bed dragon, we were trying to figure out how to kill it. I forgot about um, that. Yeah, use the chimp as a human shield was yelled one time. <laughs> the dead chimp. The dead wasn't chimp. It? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, because Forby's very peaceful monk character ended up like massacring these three chimps at point blank range that while they were on the floor laughing. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. It was it was super crazy and super fun, and I really liked the randomness to it. Mm. That the the strategy we had, I think, would have worked, and then it could go one of two ways, and those decisions were bad, and certain decisions were great. Can um, can you explain how we lost but succeeded all at the same time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So the deal was to get this wand to give it back to the, this wizard who was turned into a sheep who originally alerted us at the beginning of the game. So he like hid while we're fighting the bad wizard trying to get the wand back. So we finally get him. I uh, I think my character finally killed the wizard because the wizard turned into this big gelatinous goo thing with teeth. We killed him. We got the wand back. But the wand kind of like Maui's hook and Moana was like broken and we don't know if it was going to work. So he wanted to turn the sheep back into the good wizard. Uh, Tori had to roll the dice to see, like, did it work or did the thing break? And he rolled 
I guess a bad roll. Yeah. And it uh, exploded the sheep. <laughs> so he and just like, and that's it <laughs> exploded. My very stoic, like Drax John Wick character came up and smashed the wand and there's no more bad guys in this castle. So then we just kept the castle. So we keep it. And that was the end of it. That was the, that end. Was the end of the, game. So <laughs> the sheep that we were trying to protect the whole time. We brought him back to restore his rightful place as the, the town's wizard. And he just explodes. Anyway, we whoopsie daisied. <laughs> so the town was basically ours at the end of the game. Yeah. And she was mentioning that like, he employed a lot of people in the town. I'm like, well, whatever. We'll figure that out later. We win. <laughs> <laughs> this castle's mine now. Uh, but all that sounds of, like, cool. The, all the homework stuff. Like we have these sheets. Um, like all the numbers and like roll for this and try to see if you know, your, your attack actually hits. And, uh, it was really neat because it seemed really tedious up front. I'm like, I have to go through this book and try to like reference stuff in the front and in the back and keep flipping back. Like it was a textbook and then you write everything on here. And I don't remember how I got a lot of these numbers, but then when you're playing how you developed your character and like the stuff you chose to, to bring with you or special skills that you chose to highlight, like really come in into effect. And Anthony chose some crazy ones. I apparently chose some crazy ones causing huge fiery poop tornadoes. But mm-hmm. and and throughout the, the game you can develop your character and you can level up and get better and you can make different choices and it's it was really, really fun. And I giggled probably the first like half an hour of the game. I just like giggled maniacally to myself because <laughs> it was just fun and silly. Yeah, I, well, I, n- now somebody's going to have to help me go through my character and go through all that process again. We'll so get I you a tutor next time. Yeah. yeah, it would be worth it. You should. Yeah, I had two goals for that night's game. And because of the character I made, one of the items I had was a burglar's pack, which included a thousand ball bearings. And amidst that, I also picked a spell called Tasha's Hideous Laughter, which is the one that <laughs> caused all the enemies to basically fall on the ground in an uncontrollable laughter. My goal was to use both my ball bearings and that spell, and I exceeded expectations, and it was very rewarding. Yeah. It made some made for some very funny moments. What about, did you guys have any, like, goals or, like, things you wanted to achieve in this first game that you met or didn't meet? I didn't. I whenever I like announced my character at the table, I could see my character like in this little world that she was describing. And I could see how he would react to things in that world and I kind of got like fully into my character and I think that was the most fun. Mm-hmm. And it was neat because Forby did the same thing. Like you would describe what your character was doing, how he would react to things, like it was a lot of detail. And it allowed me to uh, at one point, Anthony mentioned the Guardians of the Galaxy kind of reference, and I started seeing like all of our characters interacting with each other, and then it kind of allowed me to like it, the more you stayed on on brand, you could. I started to think about like what that person would do on their next move, or where they're going to go, or I know that Anthony's character is kind of sniveling, like it's kind of weaselly, <laughs> and he likes to hide a lot and shoot arrows from really far away after stealing things. I'm very weak. But it made sense, like, in in the story that I was able to picture because it was so well-crafted. Like, it all just went together. Mm-hmm. It was cool. Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons I documented 
the event with the blacksmith was because like it made me wish I was an animator or something like that because I would love to mm. make some sort of visual story out of this, whether it's a, a short film or there's so many moments that I think would make a really compelling like little animated short or a short film that you shot. I don't know. There were a lot of those moments. Um, and the, the part of me that enjoys storytelling so much enjoyed the game so much more because it felt like we were in a way writing a screenplay or a short story or something like oh, that. Yeah. You know, I guess it would just be like an, an auto fillable story. Like a very like complex to... Mad Lib. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's, That's true. So are there plans to play another game soon? Like, did you guys make plans? For another we didn't schedule game? another one. Like she she kind of left it like here was like the, the, the teaching moment. And I think she expected you wanting to be a DM, like you would just kind of take the reins and we would have our own thing. So I'll definitely talk to her and see if, if we're cool enough to sit at their actual table. <laughs> <laughs> and not just like a, a, a band of kindergartners who just learned how to ride a bike. Like, I don't know. We'll see. She, she did mention uh, at the end, both Nicole and Tori that, it was a really fun game because we were really good at the story. Like we mm-hmm. bought into it. Our characters reacted like our characters should like the decisions that we personally as players in the game, like it was on, on brand for my character and Forby's character and Anthony's character. And so that made it for a really good story. I anticipated that I would like go out in left field and try to like break the thing to try to win in some underhanded way. But the moment she started talking, I'm like, nope, my character would do this. Mm. And he would snarl at somebody when they made a, a snide comment. And then I'm like, you have to roll for intimidation. And I rolled and I got a high number. She's like, oh, you, that person cowered in the corner because you made them scared because I'm a gigantic guy with like an eye patch. And I'm like, well, this is cool. It's like, it's all of all of my, my sarcasticness went right out the window when I, I could be. The, and then going to Hero Forge, going to the website and creating a character. Mm-hmm. that you can 3d print i think that's super duper helped because i could take what i had in my head and i could create a little digital embodiment of it and then you can take a like a screenshot of your thing and you can use it as your character in the game but it, it completed uh the the persona like i could see my character doing a thing because he has he's bald he has an eye patch like and i wouldn't have added those elements to him Unless I had those options in Hero Forge, that kind of character builder thing. And I was trying for the longest time to picture Forby's character. And then whenever you uploaded him, I'm like, now I get it. Now it brings it all full circle. And now I can be fully immersed in what we're doing. Because I can I can see. <laughs> I made up my own image of Anthony's because he just had a picture of Dwight Schrute on there, which is funny. <laughs> yeah. I was about to apologize for that. Yeah. <laughs> have, have we said what our who our characters were? Have we described them yet? Well, we have not. I wrote them down if you want to talk about it. Before we want you to go first. Okay. Um, So uh, I chose a a very perceptive OCD elf monk um, named Adrian Shaloub. Um, And uh, he is uh, in search of his wife's murderer. Did you? Okay. So the the whole. I just got that. So the whole point for and and we had talked about before, but like and that's his character name. And right, so turning, she, while we were playing, I'm like, what is that from? 
Yeah. <laughs> so trying to choose a character to like base it off of just to, to sort of inform what the character would do. I was trying to make Adrian Monk um, from the show Monk as a character, but he, he wasn't, I, I wasn't imagining that he would be so um, sort of wilting and um, defenseless as Monk is in the show. I, and, and the Monk ended up being like uh, pretty good at, at taking out enemies in the, in our little campaign. But just having something to base it off of and giving him like um, he he wanted everything to be like neat and orderly. And like if anybody touched him, he would like have to readjust his shirt or something like that, which was kind of a fun little flavor to uh, to put on it. But yeah, that, that was me. I was Adrian. See, I was Draxwick, which like we talked about before is a combination of Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy and John Wick. Uh, he was a, a very large human fighter with a big long sword and a shield. He's bald and has a beard and has an eye patch because he's battle hardened and reacts to things in a very defensive and like everything is fine. We're all good. We want to maintain peace until stuff starts going down. And then I'm going to start smashing and I'm going to like annihilate stuff in front of me. And it was pretty neat to like having really good dice rolls and then having that reinforced where she was, I would fight this one person who tried to come at us the first time. And it was like, you could talk to the person or you could just see what's going on. And then she was like, then you see he has an ax. I'm like long sword to the face right now. And then roll a dice. <laughs> Cause I imagine that's what this guy would do. He'd be very hip pocket and like a hair trigger. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. For me, my character was, kind of born out of the threat level midnight episode of the office. His name was Dwigged. <laughs> so he's based off of a character based off of a character, but it's funny because this game helped me shape my character more than actually creating the character before the game did. Hmm. And I, I honestly, I think if I continue to use his character, I'm going to make some changes, but essentially he was a, um, a rogue wood elf with a, um, what, what's the subcategory of uh, uh, oh shoot Ar- arcane trickster which gave me some cool abilities so I was supposed to be very stealthy and and have uh, be a be a smooth talker and have great sleight of hand so my uh, dexterity modifier was high which is why I attempted to steal arrows from the blacksmith and I just got a really bad roll like really bad uh, but Basically, a little bit of the backstory is I was a wood elf. I was promised, you know, the throne of my realm and my aloof uh, overseer basically um, un- unwillingly kind of cast me to the side and I didn't get what I was promised, you know, very much like Dwight being the assistant to the regional manager. Um, so he uh, basically rebels and tries to form a coup and fails and runs off and into self-isolation and trains himself into this rogue wood elf um, that he became and eventually met up with this party that we've created. Uh, But I had a lot of fun um, and I almost want to take some of the funny elements that were uh, born out of this game that we had the other night, inject them into my character and just kind of strip the office background out of it because it almost feels a little too, Hmm. too silly, too hammy. Yeah, too too hammy. Um, 
because there's that part of me that's like, okay, that was really fun. I kind of want to get serious about playing this game, but obviously still have fun with it. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Bob, who, Bob's, who was the character? Bob's that, character yeah. had a had a name, and uh, <laughs> just Nicole was like, corner. "Who is this name?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's Bob Claggett." <laughs> what is your character's name, Bob? It was named Porkins Hogwater. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I know why. Went... It was just the first thing that came to mind. I had to type something <laughs> in. I was like, uh, "Porkins Hogwater." It sounds good. That was really good. It sounds like a professor at Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah, just a Hogwarter. I started making it, but I never really, you know, I didn't get too far. But he's a dragonborn paladin, um, which seemed cool. And that's kind of as far as I got. I put in a few numbers, figured out his age. He's a white dragon or dragonborn. Um, So he has cold-like power, like cold damage. You shoot ice and stuff. But that's really kind of as far as I got, so... I was actually while you guys were talking about yours, I was looking up the, the that big document that like helps you create the character, so I can get it in front of yeah. me, and then I can start on that one of these evenings. But yeah, so it reminded me a lot of like a calculus problem. Like you're going to different, like you need to go look at the log tables in the back to get a certain element, and you go back to the front of the book, and you start to figure out more stuff, and then you got to go back to the other side of the book to go get other elements. And but once you have it on your sheet. Um, it's it's kind of good because she would ask very specific questions and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking oh, there it is, this because I, I did my work and I just happened to write it down uh, Tori's character was uh, it was really funny because <laughs> so Tori and Nicole, Nicole was a dungeon master Tori was sitting in the room with his wife like because they have two computers that are 90 degrees to each other his name was Groar and he was a, a mountain dwarf paladin. Uh, and she kept calling him Gore. And he would be in the background with his microphone off. He was like, it's pronounced Gore. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time she would call him by the wrong name. It was really fun. Yeah. But like listening to him, like when we first started um, getting the mechanics, like he's very experienced in it. So he would just like rattle off what he wanted to do. And just like numbers. I'm like, uh, what? He's like, oh, he's just going really fast. And so he would have to like, he slowed it down at times for our understanding. He broke it down baby level for us, which is very nice of him. Yeah. But at the same time in the story, all that kind of didn't matter. I think the mechanics Hmm. of like what he knew, which die to use or what modifiers to place where, like that's just with experience. But his part of the story was just as important as my part and Anthony's part and Forby's part. Like we were all a band of people all together. And I understand what she was talking about when we were at WorkbenchCon about making similar characters, because if we were all the same type of person on that, our adventure, it would have sucked. Like we wouldn't have gotten very far at all. And it would have been pretty terrible. And you can play off the strengths of other people, just like in a good, in a good team. But having somebody who can throw around like a, a smashy sword and a very sneaky person. And uh, his character was, was pretty much a fighter as well, but like playing to different strengths was pretty neat. And there's stuff that like I researched my character. I didn't know what the heck a rogue could do or what anybody else could do. So when Anthony's like, I'm going to go be super stealthy and get underneath the tree and no one can see me and shoot an arrow and roll ball bearings and make people laugh. I'm like, what are you talking about? 
<laughs> well, okay. I didn't know we could do that. That just makes the story even more fun because everybody's yeah. individual move is completely random and is a surprise because I, unless you have studied everybody, I don't know what you're going to do and I don't know how you're going to do it. Yeah. And Imagine- it seems like the, the permutations of the types of people and the types of races and the types of... Oh, it's yeah. Just, it's an infinite grid. What were, what were we saying, Forby? I was just going to say, I can imagine, though, off of that, if you were to take a team and you're you're telling a story over multiple, you know, weeks or months, and you're you're growing your characters, how um, the the synergy of knowing what other characters can do and doing something with the intention of having another character follow up, and like how how just um, how connected your moves could really be. Like, I think that that's where it would it would just get a whole lot more fun. I, I could mm. totally see that. And I kind of secretly want to, I, I kind of want to make like a character who is the opposite of my character too. Which, I mean, you, they, I guess you, they just grow at different levels. Like, as she wanted all, all of us to be level five. So we're level five, whatever's, you know, we happen to be. I don't know how to go to the next level. But if we were going to start one, we would just start all over, I assume, and then continue to grow. But yeah. the idea of having a character that would not react this way like makes me want to go deeper into the story because then I have to make decisions that are not innate. Like they would be, you know, specific to that character. And that just seems really fun just to go full bore into these mythical kind of stories. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys had a good time doing it. It was fun to watch. Um, I just couldn't, I couldn't last through the entire thing as an observer because <laughs> it was a lot of just like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's funny. That's weird. And then just like sitting there like, huh, I can't really do anything here. <laughs> you know, but but it was yeah. fun to watch. So hopefully I'll get my character ready um, to join you on the next one. Um, you guys got anything else you want to talk through? Was there anything else that stood out about that experience or... Anything else? I need some of my own dice. Mm. I was yeah. using the like the digital dice roller, and that we were. I can't remember the name of the service we we're using. The online digital playing board thing. Anyway, As- astral something. Astral table, yeah. I think. Yeah. Table. Yeah. But like you can like roll your dice in the chat, but it was so unsatisfying because you just hit like roll d twenty, and a number would just pop up. I'm like uh-huh. I need the gratification of you know. Seeing at least seeing an animation, so I'm gonna either purchase or try to make. I have some resin now, so I could. Well, maybe figure made, out a way to cast some. I made a set of die on or dice on the Elegoo Mars that Elegoo sent us to test. Neat. And it's just like it's the green uh, transparent. And when I would roll it, like I don't have anything down inside the numbers, <laughs> and so it was really I would have to like pick it up and like <laughs> twist it kind of awkward, like that is a sixteen, not an eighteen. And it's got a little, some little puck marks from the the supports, and some of it's not super straight, but I mean it worked. But mm-hmm. I looked up, and you can get a set of dice on Etsy for like seven or eight bucks that are like super cool resin swirlies, yeah. and I may have to hmm. do that. Yeah, it cool. was cool though how the the astral table thing had the game board that mm-hmm. yeah. you could see everybody's character and the limiting of view and stuff. I think that having I, if we were all in the same room, obviously, and we had a table to use in actual figures, I think that that would be just as great. But just the fact that there was that tool for everybody be, to be able to play from 
different computers. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really, really a great help for visualizing everything. Absolutely, yeah. The limited view was really cool, and that was something I've never seen in, in a board game. Yeah, I mean, because in a board game, it's everything is right in front of you. But like, she would have certain parts blacked out, and if you weren't pointing a certain direction or a certain distance away from it, it was still in shadow. So when we got to like the big battle scene, we were in a little lit nook and everything else was shadow around. So we had to determine which way we wanted to go. Mm. And so, I mean, we, we could have a, a huge strategy where like half of us go this way and half of us go that way. And you're just figuring out as you go. And I thought that yeah. was super cool. It was, it really was. Right on. Well, um, we'll wrap it up unless you guys get anything else. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, thanks for everybody for hanging out and listening to mostly them talk about D and D. I really didn't have much to to add to it, but um, hope it was fun for everybody to hear. And I uh, hope everybody listening is doing well and is hanging in there. And you know, considering everything, um, hope you're coming up with some cool stuff to do in your free time or your weird situation, whatever the the case may be. But I guess that's it, unless you guys got anything else. So uh, where can everybody find you, Josh? At Josh underscore make stuff. Uh, I'm at Forby, at F-O-R-B-Y, on pretty much everything. Yep. And, and Anthony. And I can be found at Anthony Films Stuff on Twitter and Instagram. And Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With one F on uh, Minecraft, though. Yeah, it's like our Twitter handle. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. Um, cool. Well, uh, all of us are at I Like to Make Stuff and all the stuff. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. See you. Bye.